Are you ready to turbocharge your financial IQ? Hey friends, my name is Murray Miller and I want to welcome you and your family to the Family Business Podcast where every episode is designed to keep you focused and on track to live a life free of financial stress, worry and fear. Would you like to know the exact powerful money strategies that not only our immediate family has implemented, but also our extended family of thousands and thousands of people around the world? Well, then let's get on with it and let's begin building a financial wall around your family. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm excited to be back. We got so much to talk about today. And if you recall... On our last episode, I told you that today in this wealth creation series, that today we'll be talking about some of the top wealth habits that not only I utilize, but all of the successful people that I've worked with, that I've mentored, that I've been mentored by. What are these top wealth habits that you need to adopt into your life? Number two, I talked about, uh, I told you I, I would talk about today some of the things that are potentially stealing wealth from you some of the potential problems that I see with Wall Street investments, and also how we can earn a safe and passive income. And if you did listen to the last episode, you also will remember that I talked about not only investing in your traditional investments that we talk about all the time on this podcast, but also investing in yourself investing in books and taking classes and going to events and buying training from others that have information that you seek and building your own um, wealth management team with the people that you work with and the coaches that you work with. So we're going to continue on that and jump right in some to some of the top wealth habits that I think you should adopt in your personal financial life in order to be as successful as you possibly can. Um, so there are many habits to build wealth and you know I read a lot as I mentioned in uh, many of our podcasts I I keep a gratitude list I you know I, I I try to do things like giving people larger than normal tips in restaurants and just coming from a place of gratitude I mean have you heard about people that have written themselves a blank check and say I'm you know here's a check payable to me for a million dollars and I can cash this on such and such a day these types of self-fulfilling prophecies that are very positive they become very good wealth building habits and I want you to follow some of the habits of people that have gone before you that have done the things that you want to do and I think that is the the true acid test of really whether or not this is something that you want to follow. Has it been done successfully before? And has uh, has there been a proof of concept that it actually works? So you're not just shooting you know, in the dark. You're actually following a plan that works. It sounds simple, but it can be very profound. One of the things that I like to do is on Sundays, I like to spend some time either with myself or with my wife, uh, and just kind of go over what had happened for the week, where we stood, you know, a meeting about wealth, a meeting about the future, a meeting about our financial freedom and what our goals are. And just it doesn't have to be anything like, you know, a budget committee meeting or something serious like that. It just has to be that you're keeping it on the top of mind. So I say get regimented about this. Pick a time, uh, you know, every single week that you're going to spend 30 minutes 
going over your wealth. How did you increase your wealth and how did you increase your steps towards financial freedom in the past week? So mark it on your calendar. If you have a spouse that's into this, get into it with him or her and let them know this is what we're going to do once a week. We're going to turn off the distractions. We're going to go out and have coffee or dinner or whatever it is. If, and that makes it deductible, by the way, if you have a small business, which that's another whole story. But you want to go over and review your goals, review your wins that you had the last week, go over your targets for the next week. And just start reviewing everything that you want in your life and bringing it to you. You know, we say this all the time. What you focus on, you will find. And there's no question about it. So let's let's do those habits. Let's set up that weekly meeting. And you know what? We can even get a little more granular about this. You can actually start to look at your account balances. You know, I happen to keep an Excel spreadsheet that I look at probably at least once a month if not two or three times a month where I'm updating it. So I, I'm keeping track of my accounts. I'm keeping track of my debts. I'm keeping track of my investments. And it just, it, it's actually very motivating and it keeps it at top of mind. I mean, how did your net worth change this week? Have you ever thought in those terms? Another thing that you want to do is uh, keep an eye on your expenses and kind of, you know, I think this is a really interesting way of looking at it, but Expenses can go into you know several different categories, and I think if you put your categories on a scale of one to five, and use this scale to figure out if these expenses were good or not so good, one being maybe dumb, <laughs> two being uh, you know something just bad timing or something like that, three being maybe it was good, maybe it wasn't, and you have to decide whether you want to go back and keep it, four being. I needed this thing to increase my emotional well-being and five being income producing. If you spent money on something that is income producing, that is where you want to really get excited. This is actually what the wealthy try to do every single day is make all of their expenses income producing. Obviously, you can't have all of them. There's going to be other things that you have to have like, you know, your, you know, things that just are necessary for daily living, but keep track of it. And by keeping track and looking at your expenses on a regular basis, it kind of just gets you thinking every single time you pull out your credit card or you write a check or you you know buy something online, what is that actually going to do for me long-term as far as helping me towards my financial freedom? So I think it's really, really crucial to do that. You know, um, when I am at the top of my game physically and I'm on a program and I'm shooting towards a goal, you know, you guys have heard me talk about the 75 hard program that I did. Or, you know, if I'm doing, a, you know, an 11-day program with Isogenics or a 30-day program or if I'm currently in an um, Isobody Challenge, which I highly recommend for people. It's an amazing 16-week program. One of the things that I do with that is I use an app on my phone. The one that I personally like is called Lose It. And it basically asks you every single day, what did you put in your mouth? And everything that you put in your mouth has to be recorded. So if I had an Isoline shake or if I had a bar or if I ate a piece of chocolate or if I had you know, a chicken breast or whatever it is, 
you're recording it. And it's really easy to do because once you do it a few times, it remembers what you did before and, and, and you start to type it and it tells you exactly what it is and you can just click on it. So it's fast. And basically you set a goal with it and you tell it everything that you do as far as what you're eating and it will tell you back uh, how many calories or how many fat calories you have left for that day. And man, does it keep you on track? It makes you think about every single thing that you, you plan on putting in your mouth as far as what you eat. So um, I say do the same thing for your expenses. Keep track of what you're putting into your bank account. Keep track of what you're taking out and what you're putting on your credit card. So enough said about looking at your expenses. I think that you've got the point. Concentrate on it and try to concentrate on things that are actually helping you grow your wealth. Um, the next thing is um, for people that are in a small business or have a side hustle, um, I always say, what's in your pipeline? You know, what are you looking at for this week? What are you looking at for next week? Spend most of your time trying to build your pipeline and, you know, how you're going to get to the next level. How many new clients, how many new customers, how many new, um, you know, whatever the units of measure are for your particular field. Keep track of that. And I think that's going to put you in a very, very strong position as you continue building your pipeline towards the future. So for the next few minutes, let's discuss um, inflation and how inflation can actually chip away at your wealth and how this is being, you know, something that you have to understand. Inflation is uh, not a topic that a lot of people understand fully. Um, I think that I can break it down for you so that you understand how it impacts your future and how it impacts your wealth. Um, I think when I first learned about inflation, it was probably high school, and I don't think that the teacher really got through to me. It's exactly what inflation was because I remember um, distinctly thinking that people were just raising prices, and I didn't understand why people just kept raising prices. Why didn't they just stop, and wouldn't inflation stop if people just raised, didn't, didn't continue to raise their prices? But I learned later, probably a decade later, that um, inflation is not that. It wasn't just a price increase. It was the devaluation of currency. It is when currency begins to lose its buying power. And a symptom of that can be increased pricing, but the root is 100% the decrease in purchasing power. And this decrease in purchasing power is one of the most dangerous risks to our wealth. It's a hidden tax. Here's why. The U.S. dollar is controlled by a central bank. What does that even mean, right? I'll break it down for you. Here it is, nice and simple. A central bank is a private bank that controls the interest rates and the currency supply of our country. Now, central banks often artificially create more money, artificially manipulate interest rates, and allow for fractional reserve banking. Simply put, a central bank can insert, let's call it monopoly money, into the economy in multiple ways, and they can do it any way they choose. The monopoly money is mixing with real money. So because of that, it dilutes the purchasing power of the real money. It's like watering down you know, a drink uh, you know, by putting extra ice in it, something like that. So we work for those dollars, we work for money, 
And when we work for money and money is diluted, that means we are working harder and harder for less money each year. It's like paying a tax we don't even see. And why do I call it a tax? Because the purchasing power of our dollar was reduced for the benefit of the government via the printing of artificial currency. So get this, we work, we pay our taxes. These taxes also go to the government and fund deficit spending. So we work and we earn less money due to the hidden tax of inflation. Then we are taxed a second time on our income and the money from those taxes feed the machine that taxed us in the first place. Guys, this is crazy. We give money to our banks. The bank gets our deposits. They put it into a computer system. They use those dollars and turn them into a digit system. I put a dollar in. They take $10 out. How does that work? If I was to go to the bank today and deposit $1,000, do you know the bank can give out $10,000? to other people based on that $1,000 deposit. This creates even more fake money and it further reduces the buying power because the currency is diluted once again. This cycle repeats over and over. You know what the result of this is? That if you had a dollar back in the early 1900s, today you would need over $300 to have the same buying power as that $1. And it isn't because bread costs more. It's the same ingredients and the same process. It's because the dollar is worth less. You need 320 pieces of paper to do the same thing one piece of paper used to accomplish. Over the last 100 years, real inflation has averaged over 5% a year. This means that every single year, you need to be earning 5% more than the year before just to maintain the same exact lifestyle. Now, inflation is actually one of the top things that I like to plan for with my clients. Um, it has been you know, a, a, a tough thing for a lot of people. It kind of puts a big damper on the American dream, but I've been around you know, the financial services industry for the better part of 40 years. So for the next few minutes, I really want to focus in on the two different ways to invest. And there really are only two ways. The first way goes like this. You buy a thing. You hope that someone is willing to pay you more than you paid for that thing. You sell that thing for a profit. You live off the profit and hope you don't run out of money or things to sell. It sounds crazy, but that's actually the way appreciation investing works. That's what we call it, appreciation investing. The second way goes like this. You buy a thing. Someone pays you money to use the thing. You collect payments as income and live off the income. You keep that thing forever because it doesn't make sense to sell something that pays you every month. It's called an income producing asset. You simply focus on acquiring more of those things that pay you each and every month. When it comes to retirement, Appreciation investing is essentially the plan of hoping that you die before you sell all the things you run out of, right? Or you run out of money. Income investing is a plan of asset acquisition to outpace inflation with that income. So let's talk about what a share is. A share is supposedly representing some kind of ownership stake in a company. 
It is a paper certificate saying that you own the business to some degree. But do you really? Let's reassociate with the concept of ownership and pretend the ownership rules of the stock market are congruent with, um, let's say, owning a car. Someone else votes on what happens to your car. If the car is sold or liquidated, bondholders, preferred owners, and other debtors are paid out before you. In fact, you're the last person to get paid. The proceeds will likely be gone by the time it comes to you. The car could disappear due to insolvency and you own nothing. Your ownership is gone. The car might pay you as income as a thank you for owning it, but that's not guaranteed. And you will pay a fee every single year for the privilege of owning the car. The car is invisible and you don't get to drive it. You can only tell people you own it and show them what your ownership is worth, but there's only one benefit. You can sell your ownership to someone else at a price dictated by someone else that you cannot negotiate up in your favor. Want to buy a car? It doesn't make much sense, does it, when you put it in those terms? And to be completely honest with you, I don't even think the income is that great. I mean, you really only have two choices with stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. You can sell your shares for a profit and hope you don't run out of money, or you can live off the dividends. And the thing about dividends is that, I mean, are you really going to be able to live off them? Let's, let's just say they're going to be 2.5%. If it really looks good, I mean, if it's a good stock and it's going to pay you that kind of a, a dividend, um, that's great. But at the end of the day, after you pay your annual fee and, you know, you pay your taxes, um, how much are you left with at the end of the day? So now your dividend is, you know, minus fees is only, let's say, 1.25%. So if you had a million dollars that's going to pay you like $1,000 a month, wow, you can't even, you know, pay for anything. That There's no leverage in that whatsoever. So I'm sure you're, you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. There's got to be a better way, and there truly is. Which leads me to the last thing that I wanted to talk about on today's episode, and that's truly earning a safe and passive income that is something that you can rely on. There are many ways to invest. Um, as we talked about, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, real estate, gold, silver, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, you know, all, all these different ways that we can invest. And as you know, by this point, I'm not really a fan of the stock market at all. Um, although I do own stocks, I'm not completely like oblivious to the fact that, you know, there are some good stocks and you can own them over a period of time uh, and do okay. But there are other ways to invest. And, you know, I want you to know at the end of the day, it's not necessity based, it's confidence based. So we're going to talk about the different ways that you can create a passive income. Like I talked about in my ebook, um, I've identified eight sources of places that you can literally create a residual or passive income for yourself. And none of these are completely passive because obviously you have to set them up. And once you set them up and do the work, then they have to be watched and tweaked. But there are a lot easier ways to make money than working for a living and trading your time for money. So what are these different ways? 
um, owning a business. Obviously, there's leverage in owning a business. And in that business, you need to create something that can build one of the following royalties, um, create some kind of a subscription service where you're paid over and over again for a service that you provide, um, become an affiliate marketer where you're being paid to promote someone else's product and you're being paid on a, on a residual basis every time that product or service is ordered or reordered. Network marketing, of course, which is one of my favorites. I talk about it all the time. Um, compound savings, something that I'm very much into, which I do uh, accomplish through a life insurance, a properly structured life insurance policy, and through real estate. And again, I've talked about this before. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, real estate that you're owning the property 100% yourself. It could be fractional shares of real estate. And there's even private lending that you can get involved in as you become an accredited investor, um, which we can talk about in another uh, episode. But um, that is also a very powerful way to build residual income. At the end of the day, uh, for today's episode, I think it's much more important that you focus on the things that I'm giving you as an area that can just become that one thing that you think about on a regular basis. What you focus on, you find. Have those meetings every single week. Set up your goals. Fill up your pipeline. Create passive income and know what it is that you're dealing with when it comes to investing in the stock market and how inflation works and how you can combat that. So what I think I've decided to do in our next um, episode in this series is talk about what you should look for in a financial coach or advisor or mentor um, just in order to get to your goals. So we'll go through the different things that you need to look for. You know, do you need to look for different accreditations and what kind of experience and what kind of things uh, do they offer services and, and products and things of that nature. So we'll go through that. This has been a, um, a really good episode for you to understand, you know, the differences between the stock market and what inflation is and what types of investments you should be making as far as income producing versus appreciation. So hopefully that all, um, you know, hit home for you and uh, you learn something. And I certainly do appreciate the fact that you're uh, sharing this information. Today was actually a really exciting day when I logged into the account to, uh, to get ready to record this podcast. I noticed that we had hit 3,000 downloads. Uh, that's a big number for me. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we've only been doing this since last May, so it's not even been a year yet. And to have it grow organically like that, just uh, it made me real excited that people are listening and getting a lot out of this. So I continue to uh, ask you to pass this information along to other people that have interest in learning the same things that you're learning from listening to this podcast. And that's how we all grow together. And uh, we have appreciation for that on both sides. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to the next one. Until I see you then on the other side. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Family Business Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can join our growing family and begin implementing the success principles to building a financial wall around your family, you can go to thefamilybusiness.info forward slash call and you can schedule a call with us because we have saved a spot at the table for you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and the people that you care about. And we would love it if you would take a second to give us a five-star review to help future family members just like you find us. I leave you with this. 
In life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you believe, plan, and expect. Let's do this.